Uh, I don't know how you do it. You are good at your craft. You are good at convincing travelers to take assignments through your company paying less than more, more, you know, the majority of companies. And that, that's a skill, ladies and gentlemen. to Travel Insiders. I'm Mark Holloway. I am flying solo today, but I am really excited about today's topic. Uh, it's just one of those topics. Hope everyone's doing well out there, by the way, uh, today. It's um, episode 77, and today we're going to talk about recruiter training. Now, what does that mean? Um, I felt it was important for you guys to kind of understand what goes on behind the scenes of an agency to train a recruiter to basically sell you. Again, been no, no secret, I say this all the time. This is what I find so ironic in our industry is that, I don't know if I'd call it ironic. The fact is, is that people in our industry <laughs> that work on this side of the desk, the job of all of us is to convince as many of you, frankly, as we can, to come and work for us and take jobs that all of us have through our company and not through anybody else's. I mean, if you really break it down, like I've said, that's really the gist of it. So when you're talking about recruiter training, it's the same kind of thing. We're talking about bringing on you know, men and women, boys and girls, you name it, to teach them how to convince all of you to go to work for them and the company in which they represent. I mean, that's really the breakdown of it. I've said this many times, I'm going to say it repeatedly during this episode, and that is that this is a sales position. It's a little unique because there's some customer service in it, and that what I mean by unique is that some sales jobs, a lot of them, you just sell and you're done. I mean, that's it. You make the sale, you make the commission, company makes the money, game over, right? However, there's a lot of sales positions where there's follow-up with the customer. You get a client list and you have to service that client. You have to make sure they're taken care of whether it's a monthly, you know, an advertising agency like what my industry or what my background is in or I don't care if you're if you're, you know, selling widgets and you've got a repeat customer to sell those widgets so to speak. That's what this really is. You guys are they're looking for a repeat business from you. Um, the wonderful thing about it from your standpoint is it should be built in that companies want to do well by you. I mean, you'd think that would be the case, obviously. And and again, that is always the intention. I don't know of a company that doesn't truly care, except for maybe some of these big, big companies that have such an ongoing onslaught of new travelers that go to work for them. I mean, that could be a decent possibility. But most companies do, in fact, want you to stay working for them. I mean, that's really the reality. So what I'm getting at is that there is a really good customer service built in for you. The intention should be if they treat you well and you're happy, obviously you're going to stay. So that's a really good thing for a traveler is that most companies out there are really doing their best, I would think, at least maybe the recruiter is, to try to make sure that you do in fact stay with them. Unfortunately, as we all know, lots of times pay rate and other different things come into into play. This is a wild, bizarre world that we live in. Um, Go back and listen to the Triangle Trust episode. Things go wrong 
And oftentimes that's where problems can rear their ugly heads or his ugly head on all different four parts of this of this equation or the, or the players that are involved, which includes you guys, right? There are times when things go wrong and, and it's the traveler's fault. There's certainly times that things go wrong. It's the hospital's fault. There's certainly times where things go wrong that it's the agency's fault. And there's certainly times that things go wrong that it's the vendor's fault. So everybody has their part to play. I mean, we've seen it all. I mean, in 21 years, I've seen where every single part of those things you know, is where the problem exists. And that's, again, that's the, the tough part of our business is handling that customer service when things go wrong. I've always said that to, when I was training recruiters. It wasn't that if things go wrong, because they do. I mean, again, go back and listen to that episode. We are in an industry where things go wrong because of the fact that agencies are in one location typically, households are in another, travelers going back and forth. Could be a vendor involved. Typically, there is that's in another location that has their fingers in the midst of the whole thing. So, as I've said many times, things go wrong, which means that's oftentimes where you lose that customer service or a company you know doesn't live up to what your expectations are. A traveler may not live up to the expectations of the company, and so on and so forth. So, recruiter training it is really about how to take somebody. I'm going to talk about new recruiters. I'm going to talk about seasoned recruiters in this episode. But the idea is that what you're doing, basically, as, a, as an agency or a company, is you are trying to convince, or I'm sorry, not trying to convince, trying to you know, teach a new person or a seasoned veteran recruiter how to do things the way that you want them done at your agency, for whatever reason it might be. It might be for profit. You know, let's make sure we, we do this because we want to make a lot of money. It might be for retention. It might be a combination of all those. Um, but there is always going to be a different culture at every agency. I certainly can't speak to all those agencies and explain what their cultures are. But I think today what I can do is give you guys a pretty good, I guess, overview of what it's like to be either a new recruiter or a seasoned recruiter going to work for a new company and what it's like to teach somebody from the get-go how to basically be a good you know, traveler salesperson, so to speak, for lack of a better word. So that's what we're going to jump right into uh, today. So at any rate, let's kind of begin on this one. It's uh, I want to really talk a lot about new recruiters. We did a whole episode on new recruiters, and there's a lot of benefits, you know, in that episode. I think to go back and listen to it, it kind of tells you what I think more the more the problems that you might be facing. We're going to address a little bit of those again today. But again, I typically I will tell you my philosophy always was that if I had my choice, I always preferred to hire somebody brand new off the street without any experience. That's just the way I felt. Um, I've always liked to do things a little bit differently. I, you know, again, I do see huge value in bringing on somebody that already has recruiting experience. But I always felt that you would also bring along the baggage of what they you know, were, were, had been taught by other people uh, that weren't me. And I found in the industry personally that there's um, unfortunately some people teaching people that don't know what they're doing or, or teaching people some bad habits. And I just personally, my choice was if I had to choose, I'd rather find a good person uh, that I liked that I felt was going to be a good, had good potential and teach them the way that I wanted to do it. So typically... And again, we'll start with that, the new recruiter kind of aspect. Typically, again, these people don't oftentimes have a clue what it is that you do. I know that sounds weird to you guys, but but if you're not in the healthcare industry, if you came from outside of that, most people, and maybe you guys, have, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but a lot of people in, in the general public, so to speak, don't really have a great idea about what you guys do on a day-in and day-out basis, unless they've spent time in a hospital or in a facility it's really hard to kind of understand. And it's also kind of hard to comprehend how it works. Most people have a general idea by watching television or seeing movies or you know, perhaps they've got some kind of connection. 
But you guys may be surprised to know that when I would sit down with somebody brand new that I'd hired, because I felt they had great potential to be a really solid recruiter, typically because I felt they would be a good salesperson, and that's just being transparent. It's amazing how truly little they know about what it is that you men and women do on a day in and day out basis. It's, it was, it's kind of mind blowing. And again, I've been in this industry for 21 years. So it always surprised me like, yeah, you, you didn't know that. No, you, you didn't know that either. And you, the things that you guys have to expect now, this person's supposed to be trying to give you career advice, like I've always said, and they typically don't even really get what a day is like for you. It's amazing. People don't even know that a lot of nurses, for example, work on 12 hour shifts or, or, you know, I mean, I'll even take it down another whole level. I've had many times where people didn't even realize that, a, that I'm just going to throw this out there to you guys, that a nurse wasn't just a nurse, that you actually were an operating room nurse and you were an ER nurse. People, Some people just think that you guys float all over the hospital. I know it sounds crazy to say, but that is the truth. There, it, it, there is that amount of naivety. Naive, well, I can't even say that word, but you know where I'm going with it. Out there in the world where it is... People are that kind of clueless about what you do. So again, think about that as you're as you're talking to recruiters, and you're judging that person on the, on the phone. A lot of them have different variances of understanding about what you do, and certainly, most of us don't have a real clue what life is like for you. I've been doing this for 21 years, and nurses sometimes would talk to me, or, or an allied professional would talk to me, as if I know what they're talking about. And I love that because it kind of gives me. I guess they're like, wow, I think they must, since I've been doing this, they must under, that I, I must know what, they, what it's like to have somebody code or do something like that. And the fact is, of course, I don't have a clue what that's like. Um, I've been told about it a lot, but when it comes down to some of the technology and terminology you guys use, I don't have a clue. Most, most of us don't. Certainly a recruiter wouldn't, especially when it's only been doing this for six months. So point number one is a lot of new recruiters or recruiters have been doing this for less than a couple of years, certainly, and there's a ton of those out there do not have a clue what you guys do. They don't understand the nuances of, of the different specialties and certainly a lot of the, the day-to-day, like I say, terminology and, and uh, I guess demands and of the job and that sort of thing. So you guys should know that. Um, that's kind of across the board. They also really don't understand how everything in your world works. I mean, literally from orientation to you know giving report to how you punch in and punch out in a clock. I mean, all of that stuff is all hearsay um, by working with people. Of course, the longer recruiters have been in the industry, the better understanding they have of this stuff. But again, someone up the street, this is all brand new, um, which you know, is, is why it's so difficult to, you know, to train somebody brand new that's never done this before. It is challenging. There's a lot of work. I went from a one-week kind of training to a two-week training, and the, that's just classroom-type setting, right? And, and we started to get them out there on the phone and shattering other recruiters for a while. I think that was helpful. But my recruiter training became larger and larger. And of course, once that part was done, you know, we had a lot of nonstop training. I had training with people that had been with me for years because I still felt that there was stuff for them to learn, stuff for them to teach each other. Um, the first thing really is is starting off with the with the model of how hospitals staff. You know, again, these people don't really get it. They don't understand what it's like to, you know, for, for hospital staff on a permanent basis, some of the challenges that they have on, on maintaining their staff, the numbers that are involved in, in, a, in a patient being diverted to a different facility, for example. It doesn't matter if you're getting a scan done or your ER's full. It's the same thing. That's revenue that's going away from that facility. So to kind of explain to people at the very beginning that this is the fundamental and quintessential problem 
in healthcare is that there typically isn't currently enough people to staff for the patient load that that facility happens to have. And that's just been around for 30 years now, and I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, but that's just a fact. So we have to start off with explaining how the hospital staff. We have to talk a little bit about per diem. Even though we're talking travel and we're a travel company, it's important to understand what per diem is so they get that there's other avenues and other aspects of how to staff a hospital. And, of course, less expensive ones. You know, travel nursing and travel allied professional, last time I looked, is still the most expensive option for a hospital to, to staff with. There are a lot of people that, or I shouldn't say people, a lot of facilities that don't have that middle option of uh, per diem. You know, they might live in a really small town, and the hospital might be in a small town. I always use the example of Montana. Um, you know, not that Montana's got small towns, but some of those towns are relatively tiny. And you've got one hospital that services a number of different, you know, communities that are miles and miles and miles apart. So the fact of there being a per diem, you know, respiratory therapist in one town that could drive 50 miles to another town to do a, do a shift, it, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. So those hospitals and those facilities don't have that, oftentimes, that option. Same thing applies with, you know, hospitals. I, mean, I guess you could say there are definitely challenges that hospitals have based upon their location, um, the, the community they serve in. So staffing permanently for a lot of facilities is also a challenge, whether it's cost of living or its location or reputation of the facility. There are challenges depending upon that city that those people face every day. And, of course, travel. I, I use Denver as a good example. I usually do in my training that Denver is one of those towns that has so many people and so much of an influx of population currently. I remember Vegas was like that beforehand, Seattle even before that, that there's not a lot of there's enough per diem travelers in that town, whether it be an allied or nursing, that typically it doesn't trickle all the way down to the most expensive option, which is, in fact, travel. We've got to sign a 13-week agreement with the facility in order to get somebody out there. They can pick and choose as they need, and there's enough people in that town that can float around. I mean, what happens typically in a town like that is you've got a huge influx of population. And until that population outgrows the demand, if you will, or the, or the need, uh, for a traveler to be at that facility, it's going to keep you know working. Once that population of those healthcare professionals in that town oversees that that amount of demand, then that's when all of a sudden the people aren't getting their shifts, not getting enough hours, and people move back out. That do that because you can't stay and survive in a town unless you go on permanently or unless you happen to be one of the best that gets all the shifts right. So that's kind of how that works. Um, we also talk a lot about how the business works, and that's think, I think that's one of the first and fundamental things I want to kind of really get into a little bit here today is that a lot of companies have, well, I shouldn't say a lot, most companies have a, have a varying degree of what they're going to tell a recruiter. I will tell you that I believe very, you know, very, very much so that the fact is most recruiters don't have a very high level of uh, at least detail understanding of, of the finances of that company. They may understand your particular pay package. They may or may not understand what the company's profit is based upon that. Typically, they don't. They do usually know that the more money and the more percentage of revenue that they bring into that company, typically the more commission that they can make. And that's one of the things that's the most important thing that they learn is, again, they're salespeople, guys. Any good salesperson figures out how they can make the most money, and then they tweak their behavior and their methods in order to accomplish that, right? So if you have a commission plan that shows you how to make more money, you as a recruiter have to decide, do I want to go for perhaps high, you know, per traveler commission? 
Am I looking at longevity? Am I looking at sustainability? What's the best thing for me based upon who I am? And that's where you start having some trouble and some nuances between one company having multiple kind of feelings with every single recruiter. And I think those are the toughest ones, by the way, for you guys is to understand, gosh, I had such great reviews on this company. And when I called, I didn't have the same experience that a lot of my peers had. And that's typically why, because you've got potentially a a business model, business plan that allows for some for too much flexibility, in my opinion, which then means you've got recruiters doing all kinds of different things. And that's why you see different pay packages from the same company at the exact same facility. And, and, areas, and you guys have all pointed that out to us. Um, or you've got you know the recruiter that does things by the book and you know gives you the best deal, and you've got the other one that wants you to negotiate, all within the same company. So one of the first things we talk about is how this business works, and I've done this many times here. You know, again, we talk a lot about the cost of goods sold, which is basically what your compensation is based upon. And it's nothing to do with the company and, and their operating expenses. We talk about top level stuff, you know, hot first, you know, high end stuff. So in other words, how much money is this hospital going to allow us to bill hourly? How much of a fee do we have to the vendors? We carve that out. How much money do we? The next thing is typically for companies: how much money do we make? They don't. They're not looking at how much money you make. They have a set amount or a range an acceptable range of compensation that the company needs to bring in in order for a recruiter to make that deal or to be able to secure that deal. I think personally, this is just my opinion, good companies have a flat amount so that there isn't any negotiation. But you guys are the ones that tell me that typically you see negotiations going on, which tells you and should tell all of you guys, if you're dealing with a negotiating company, their philosophy is there is a range of an acceptable amount of revenue the company can bring in. And I will say that the less that you know, the less size of that revenue. In other words, the smaller that revenue is, the less commission a recruiter is going to make. The more profit the company brings in, the more commission they make. In other words, the more they screw you out of money, the more the company obviously clearly is going to make. Certainly, also the recruiter too. And again, I've said that multiple times. You guys really should hear that. You are fighting for dollars that you are trying to keep and not give to a company, and also you're fighting with a person that is also incentivized to keep as much of that for themselves as they can. And that happens every day, all day out there. So that's how that sort of whole thing works. It's, it's how much, again, revenue we're bringing in, what are the expenses, which is the other part of the equation of a cost of goods sold, is what are the expenses that are going to be associated with you going to work for us? In other words, what's your payroll? What's your taxes on your payroll? What have we offered you for your travel reimbursement? You know, what's your housing reimbursement in that town? You know, how much is your credentialing going to cost us to get you on board? What's your insurance cost that we are going to be paying for, for your benefit? All those things are all part of calculating the top line money that a company's going to be bringing in after they have paid you all the things that they promised you. Again, go back and look at one of our first episodes. In the, I think it's around 20 or 21. Nothing is free. And you will hear a little bit more about how that stuff all works. But recruiters, again, for recruiter training purposes, they understand some of this. Some of this is not being taught to them. So one of the things I do want to qualify in today's episode is that not every recruiter or not every company out there give the recruiter a very clear or the same understanding of how the company functions and how the company makes money's money. Um, I was talking with a recruiter today who's a friend of mine, and she happens to be working for a company right now that the owner doesn't tell the recruiters anything. And they really struggle with it. They don't, they just, here is the offer you make this traveler. That's it. They don't know the bill rate internally. They don't know even the fee of the vendor. They certainly don't know anything about how the taxes work. They were, they are dictated. 
here's your rate. And by the way, here's how much is, is we're giving for meals and incidentals, and here's how much we're giving for housing. And it may or may not, I won't really say, go along with what the GSA does. It just dictated to them. So please understand that sometimes I, I love to you know beat up you know recruiters, and I, and I think I need to take a moment here to explain to you guys that it's not always a recruiter's fault. Um, I think those companies that we mentioned where my friend happens to be uh, are less and fewer than far between. But I will say what's also not very common is a company that tells their recruiters everything. I don't think that happens very, very often. I think there's a couple of higher level people that understand. It may trickle down to a director of recruitment or someone in that kind of a role. But typically, it is definitely not a recruiter that has a full understanding of the company's financials. It just doesn't happen in most businesses, certainly not uh, in the travel world as well. Uh, so that's kind of part of that as well. I wanted to kind of mention that. I guess the next thing I really want to talk about is understanding the pay factors we kind of have. But that's really the quintessential, I guess, part of being a new recruiter is they really struggle with explaining not only the pay package, you guys, but how that works, the breakdown. What is, you know, what, how does on call, how does callback work? Do they really understand, you know, tax-free and taxable income and how that applies? <coughs> Excuse me. Some of the things that we talk about on Travel Insiders, they don't have a clue about. When we start asking legitimate questions like, why is it? that I'm only getting my taxable income for anything between 36 and 40, and I'm not getting the tax-free portion all taxable because that's truly my full compensation. You guys are still billing the same hourly rate. A new recruiter, guys, can't even get what you're saying. So that's what's wonderful about hopefully listening to what we're talking about and you know tuning into our, our podcast and our YouTube channel is that we're trying to teach you guys that you may know more, believe it or not, than many recruiters, certainly the new ones, you guys will know more about, and you can talk circles around them. Personally, what I'm being told a lot from a lot of you is that if you get something like that, you're done. You're done with that person, you're done with that company, and you're moving on to somebody that can at least hold an intelligent conversation with you about the things that are important to you. I've always said, this is not a complicated business. The numbers that we deal with are quite simple, and you can understand them very quickly. And I'm telling you guys, if I don't say this another 20 times in the next, you know, number of episodes, then, then I'm nuts because you got to go back and listen to every one of our episodes from start to finish. Before I set my phone off, again, that's, gonna, <laughs> that's the way it goes, right? Um, so a little quick editing there. Um, so that's the fact, is that they don't understand as much as you guys do. And if you're listening to all these episodes and you go back, and I, I really would beg you guys to do that. I understand there's episodes that look like the title doesn't have anything to do with something you're interested in. But if you listen to everything, there are things in every single episode that we talk about that you're like, wow, I didn't know that. And I have people mention that to me almost on a, at least on a, every other, every couple of days that, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. I do know what I'm doing. I should, let me rephrase that. But I did learn something new I didn't know. I mean, I think we all are in that boat, right? That's what I try to do every day is learn something new. And as a traveler, I don't care if you've been traveling for 20 years, there's still stuff to be, you know, to be taught, to be learned from you guys. And all we're offering is just... A different side of the desk, different perspective on that sort of thing. So what I'm getting at is that you guys can actually know more about your numbers than many, if not ma the majority of recruiters out there. And that's that's powerful to be in that boat. So when it comes to things like working with the GSA and some of those you know, aspects, again, a lot of recruiters are going to be very unknowledgeable about how that really works, the nuances of that. You guys need to learn 
how the GSA works, go to those web pages, see how things change sometimes monthly for some of these locations based upon their particular cost of living. But that's a struggle for recruiters. And again, I'm going through things, by the way, that are not really, I don't try not to do the episode of, of new recruiters again here. What I'm going through, just so you guys understand, is I'm talking to you guys about how, you know, I used to train recruiters, how a lot of recruiters are trained. And that is understanding, you know, not only how the company works, but then understanding, you know, the pay packages and the GSA. Some of these people, guys, don't really even understand that, you know, you got to start off with talking about here's all the allied specialties and all the different things that they do. Here's all the nursing specialties and all the things that incorporate in that. So, again, recruiter training for a new recruiter is really fundamentally from the core up to, you know, more detailed stuff. And that's the way most companies go. It's not just here you go. A recruiter has to at least understand enough about what you guys do to be able to really present positions to you that fit what your specialty is. If you really think about it, that's the fundamental thing they have to, at least basic thing they have to know. You can't talk to, you know, a telemetry nurse unless you really understand what he or she does and that present the opportunities that they are, are willing to work at. If you're looking at someone that's never, you know, hasn't worked a med surge assignment in, you know, 15 years and it's a med surge telly and you start talking to them about, you know, here's a med surge telly position, they're going to look at you like you're nuts. So, Everybody gets that basic core fundamental training. And what I've learned in the last couple of years is that definitely companies have a huge variance of how well and how, uh, I guess, complicated and more intricate their training is. And I just believe, I always believe, I don't care what business you're in, that the better your training, the better your, your overall company is going to be. What you guys will see out there and what I hear, um, again, with recruiter friends, people that are higher ups that have gone from company to company is that it's all over the place, guys. Again, most companies besides the big, big guys are privately owned. So people do and recruit and train recruiters the way that they want to do it, so to speak. So that's one thing about recruiter training is that it's all over the place. You're never really going to know what you're going to get. But I will tell you that you're going to get a different experience at every company you go to. If I were to go and go into XYZ company and be told, hey, I want you to you know, teach this next class of recruiters, and here's how I teach it, I'd be blown away by, oh, I didn't know you wanted to do it this way, or I wanted to do it that way, or you forgot about this, or this is something new to me. So all that stuff is really what I'm trying to walk you guys through, understanding how to do their job better. And part of that is truly understanding the tax-free portion, the taxable portion, understanding the GSA, and that, while it's not simple, it's also not complicated. And again, if you guys can do this, whether you're listening to me, which I think is sometimes tougher, I don't do a lot of visual aids and a lot of you know show things on the board kind of thing anymore. But if I hopefully I'm talking slow enough that you guys can understand um, the numbers where you're driving, because that's that's a hard thing to do, right? Visual, imagine things that are visual that you can't really see. But if you go back and listen to all those episodes, you are going to see and and hear about these things repeatedly. It should start to really make sense to you guys. Again, it's not complicated. But I have seen where many recruiters struggle with numbers, some of them their entire career. The simplistic of things, which is here's you know how this you know pay package works or here's how the GSA works. Some some recruiters just struggle with that forever. And that's frustrating because if there's recruiters struggling with it, you always wonder how is that being presented and how is that being represented from your company to a traveler? And it's it's scary from someone in my position that you, you feel like you want to, and I've said it here before, you kind of want your recruiters to be a mirrored voice of yourself. In other words, what you're saying, you want your recruiters to say. And that's typically, I think, how most companies function, right? How could they not? It is going to be a, 
a subculture of what the you know the head honchos of the company, the, the men and women that run those companies, the way they feel in their philosophy is going to trickle right down to the recruiter. One of the other big parts about recruiter training is obviously teaching them how to work with vendors. Um, we had a whole episode again on on vendors. I advise you guys to go back and either listen or watch that. Um, I know we haven't posted the newer episodes on our, our YouTube channel, but we're getting there, so we have to get through those. We're way ahead, obviously, on the um, on the podcast as far as where we what we've released and what we haven't than we are on the on the YouTube channel. But working with vendors is a challenge, right? Every one of these guys and gals, which I don't know if I mentioned on that episode or not, they're all different. The way that they work, how it functions. Some of them. You know, you, you instantly get, get submitted right in front of a job. Some of them you have to get approved by some account manager who may or may not have a lot of experience before they decide to allow you to actually theoretically officially go in front of that facility. The agencies put you in front, but you may sit there. I've got that happening right now where you're literally sitting there for days and days going, it's a strong traveler. Why are they sitting there? You just never know what that account manager's thinking. Um, sometimes it's really complicated to submit people. And again, most recruiters aren't doing the submitting but they do have to be taught and, and uh, educated on how a profile packet, so to speak, or a submission packet looks in order to submit to each individual vendor. That's complicated. That's something they have to be taught. Um, some of them have to be what's called vendor neutral. In other words, the, the vendor, I, I kind of like this concept. It makes things a little more even. Doesn't want a company's logo all over it so that a hiring manager has a bias one way or the other, which is kind of good. Um, it, it allows for smaller companies to be competitive. If a company had a, just a horrible traveler, I, I know that would never happen, but it does every once in a while, at that facility uh, previously, it's nice that a, that a nurse manager wouldn't be judging you because you happen to be representing that exact same company if for somebody that you know, perhaps didn't do a great job. And that's unfortunately one of the things that happens in our industry. People judge travelers based upon company, and I think vice versa. So recruiters have to be taught how to work with the nuances of every single vendor, and they are different. Um, I mean, everything from how to submit to definitely how to credential, which we'll talk here in just a second, but also, you know, how timekeeping, some vendors have their own timekeeping systems. Um, it's just, it's just different. So learning how to work and be able to, um, talk to travelers about the, the nuances of vendors is something you have to absolutely teach. Um, and we'll talk about credentials right now. I'll jump right into it. But credentialing is a really big piece. Again, we've done a lot of stuff and talked a lot about credentialing on Travel Insiders because, unfortunately, I've watched the industry go from, you know, modest or appropriate credentialing, in my opinion, to a daunting, daunting task. And you see it out there a lot. People are delayed anymore because of credentialing because the facility or the vendor has demanded so much that they can't even keep up with approving the documentation that an agency is sending through or a traveler sending through. I mean, you guys have to admit, it's gotten to the point where it's almost ridiculous. Just today, I had a traveler that needed to sign a job description that was our job description from the company that I represent and the facility's job description. So there's two job descriptions for the same you know specialty that they had to docu-sign. It was like, really? What What's the point of that? Why even have ours? If you've got one from the company, what, so... I guess what I'm saying out loud is that it's kind of the point where it's ridiculous. And I'll tell you what it is. It's a bunch of legal people at a hospital that had one little thing happen, so they've added that little element in order to cover their butts. And now another thing's happened. So over the course of the last probably you know, 10, 15 years, it's gotten to the point where credentialing is insane. So now you've got a recruiter who typically, for most companies, does not have anything to do with credentialing, 
but they do have to understand it. So it's a big part of recruiter training because they're typically the ones, again, different company philosophies. A lot of companies, the recruiter is going to be asking you guys for the information, the documents you need, so they need to be able to explain that to you. Other companies, they have a credentialing person or credentialing team that you're oftentimes passed over to to help you get through that's maybe a little bit more experienced and can help you. But again, your liaison, typically, and the person that you're your go-to guy or gal is your recruiter. So understanding all the things with credentialing, you can imagine trying to get that, I guess, incorporated into a recruiter training is challenging. And I will say that what I've experienced is you do the best you can, you know, and typically you know, over time, some of the holes get filled in and the blanks get filled in as, as people, oh, now I understand what a quanta furin is. Now I understand why you would want a chest x-ray and this is a regular two-step TB. So these kinds of things are taught over time. So again, if you guys are dealing with somebody that you're getting credentialed and they just aren't understanding what you're saying, you're dealing with a pretty new recruiter that just doesn't know um, a lot about what you're going through and the challenges that you're facing. And again, be careful when you're, you know, potentially at your the doctor's office or the urgent care, getting the things you need to get done medically or physical, that you're asking the right person so that you're not having to go back because you, you got wrong, told wrong information or misinformation from that company or that recruiter. Um, that's why I think a lot of people go to a credentialing specialist. One of the biggest things, and again, I kind of addressed it, but I want to address it again. When you're dealing with, you know, again, recruiter training, is that one of the first things they want to know, I used to do it on the very beginning of day two, I think, or the afternoon of day one. That's what it was. I did it on the very first day. I walked people through kind of the overall view of the industry and how it worked and how our company functioned. I was very transparent about how we make money. I think it was important for them to be that way. That just was my philosophy. I don't think it's shared by very many people. But the afternoon, I always went right into commission. I even used to say, you know, we're going to talk about it's good stuff. I had a high commission plan. I believed in that. I believed in high incentivizing of people to, to make good money. So I paid, you know, recruiters a lot of money to be able to do what they do and sell people. And we went right into it. And I walked people through the almost ad nauseum, the, the numbers and how the financing worked and how they could make money. Um, and so that's a big thing. The, talk about watching someone being like this and kind of asleep throughout and also perking up. And I used to do a lot of social experiments when it would come to commission. I used to be able to figure out where someone's sweet spot is with the kind of money they were really hoping to make because their body language would go from being like, hmm, I'm not interested, and this kind of sucks to all of a sudden kind of up and interested, leaning forward and like you know, writing notes down. I could tell right where it was that I knew this recruiter needed to be in order for them to be happy with my company. And that was an important thing for me to know, and I never would even share it with them, but I, it was like clockwork. I could see it. Especially if I had a couple, two, three people in a training class, the body language was very different based upon the recruiter's personal, I guess, uh, like I said, sweet spot or where they really were hoping to get to. Guys, here's the fact, and I think you guys know this, recruiters can make, and many do, a shit ton of money in our industry. I've never seen an industry where somebody that has a year of experience doing something can actually make more money than the traveler, you guys, in which they're placing. That is a weird part of our industry. If you're a good salesperson and you can convince a bunch of travelers to choose you and your company as their company in which they're going to be employed through, you can easily make six-figure incomes. Again, I don't think most, I don't, I don't know the stats, so I'm going to say that right now. But because there's so many, so much, such a high turnover industry from different companies that I would tell you that because of that turnover, I don't think the majority of people make six figures, but a good seasoned recruiter does. And the last time I looked, it is, you know, again, I did a series a number of years ago on in normal times, it is 
it's not a challenge, but it is something that a traveler has to focus on if they want to make six figures. They have to make sure they take the right assignments, that they've chosen the right, um, I guess, cadence in which that they're ending an assignment. They have to, the holidays come into play, locations come into play, the company they're choosing comes into play. And you really have to focus on your marketability as a traveler marketability to make a consistent six figures. Again, I know things are different right now, but they won't be again. And it's, it's one of those things that I think that it's weird to me that a recruiter with no college education or maybe even no education at all, if they're really good at their craft, they can make more money than you guys are making. And working in a heck of a lot less stressful situation, a heck of a lot less, um, you know, critical situation, so to speak. But that's just a fact in our industry. And you guys probably all know that and recognize it. I'm just saying it out loud that if you really love your recruiter and he or she is really great and you like, man, this person's really good, that person's making a ton of money. And they can be great. And they probably deserve to because they probably worked their butts off. Again, that's that's the part about recruiter training that I've always said, and you guys should also hear this, that it doesn't come easy. A recruiter that makes a ton of money does work hard. And I will tell you, the recruiters that don't make a lot of money don't work very hard. They don't have a very good work ethic. They you know, have flashes where they work hard and they don't. So I, mean, I experienced that you know, firsthand. I had a very few amount of recruiters that really made crazy money because they, but they earned it. They came in, they were consistent. They worked hard day in, day out. And then the rest of them were kind of, some would make money at some point and they wouldn't on others. And that's just a fact. But understanding the company's commission package is a really big part of recruiter training. And it's what gets their attention. It's what attracts so many people in their industry because it seems like if you're willing to make a bunch of phone calls, send out a lot of texts, send out emails, do a lot of job postings and things on social media, you can do really well. And you can have a pretty good lifestyle that allows you to, you know, even sometimes work remotely, work from home, certainly go in the office and, and be done. Um, and again, the bigger the company, the more you can actually, you know, walk away at the end of the day. Smaller companies tend to, you know, have it where you're the you know, responsible party for your travelers out there. And I think a lot of people, a lot of recruiters understand that's part of the mode um, that you really are on 24-7. But um, it's just a fact. So. Commission is a big part of recruiter training in any company. And it's, it's again, it's where that I know now how to make money with this company. So I'm going to focus on making money with this company the way that they're going to pay me. And I've seen commission plans that truly incentivize travelers the wrong way. I'm sorry, recruiters the wrong way. I've been doing this. I've been in sales my whole life. I've certainly been, as you guys know, I've been in, I've been, uh, in travel for 21 years. But before that, I was an advertising executive. And I've seen organizations where their commission structure is, is wrong. They're incentivizing their salespeople to not necessarily do things that help the company out. And good salespeople will sell what makes them money, whether it's good for the company or not. If a commission plan is outlined, plan is outlined where it is you know, maybe even counterproductive to what the overall company's goals are, that's a flaw in that commission plan. And salespeople, recruiters, will sell what makes them money. You know, in other words, if if it's if there's no incentivizing, say, to have retention, then what you might be looking at is a company where the recruiter doesn't really care if you stay. They're just going to making sure that they've got enough bodies to come in every month that they're replacing you. You may be a recruiter, and guys, hear this. You may be a recruiter that works for a really shitty company that has bad pay rates, has bad customer service, you name it. If you want to make money with a company like that, you know you're not going to retain. It's not going to be your fault as a recruiter. It's going to be the company's fault. So you're in order to make money there, and there will be people that do make money, 
you're incentivizing just to just churn and burn. So that can be a cultural thing. That's not a good commission plan, but it is one where a good salesperson, a good recruiter is going to learn that commission plan and learn how to maximize their earning potential, whether it's good for you or good for the company or not. That's just the facts. Um, we talk a lot about in recruiter training about really what I believe the, one of the biggest parts of their job is to really put out fires, so to speak. Again, listen to the episode of the Triangle Trust. There's a lot of crazy shit that happens in our industry. I mean, literally from being, you know, again, being bullied from a facility to, you know, having your housing that maybe you are the, who knows who got it, is having a problem. You know, whether or not you're, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're in the OR and the director of surgical services is asking you to be available, you know, in, in eight minutes and you live 20 minutes away, you're, you're housing 20 minutes away. Timekeeping issues, you name it. There's all kinds of fires to put out all day long. And that's why we always have said, we are dealing with salespeople. But you're also wanting a salesperson that has that sales quality that allows for retention, which means they're good at putting out fires. They're good at appeasing you. Whether they're a can-do person, which is the right way to go, or they're just good at bullshitting. And you guys all just heard that, and you know you've experienced both out there. You've experienced travelers that get the shit done you need done and take it up the ladder and accomplish your, your goals. Those are the ones that you should be loyal to. Then there's the ones that just kind of listen to your event, listen to complain, and nothing really gets fixed about it. And maybe it's because it's not the company's fault, but if it's the company's fault, the agency's fault, and you're not getting anything accomplished, but just my recruiter just listens to you, that means they're a good salesperson. And that's where I think you guys get frustrated with. Whereas nothing's getting fixed or changed, but my I like my recruiter, they're appeasing me, and they're really good at selling me, and now I'm, I'm feeling better because I got to vent, right? And by the way, that's you, you get taught that. You get taught to listen to your traveler. Let them bitch complain a moment. I don't care if you're in any kind of customer service business at all. If you're a customer service rep for a big, huge company, one of the first things you're taught is let the customer go off on you. And then they'll feel better and then you can maybe get something done. I mean, it's just, it's simply, you know, it's psychology, but it's simply the way it works. So a lot, a lot of companies put in that they are incentivizing by putting out fires. That's the bottom line. Sorry, I had a little, little barky bark going on there. Um, the real question for new recruiters, in my opinion, is, and again, when you're training somebody, is how long are they going to last? In other words, are you going to have this recruiter for, for years, or is this a one-and-done kind of scenario for you? And that's what you just don't know. And again, you can tell, you can try to guess, but it really has a lot to do with the recruiter. And that's what I would say to you guys to go back and listen to new recruiters. I don't want to repeat that episode, but as a CEO of a company or if somebody was a director of recruitment, their first thing they're looking for is, does this person have staying power? In other words, do they have the work ethic, the smarts, the knowledge to understand the training and the numbers that we went through, credentialing, how, what, a, what a traveler does? And are they going to make it? Do they have the motivation and, like I said, the work ethic to get to a point where they are making good money, which then means they're, they're making the company good money, which at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, is the real bottom line. All right, I want to talk a little bit about seasoned recruiters because this is obviously common and unfortunately in our industry there's a lot of recruiters that job jump um it has a it has a lot to do with kind of the culture of how businesses are in our in our world right now there's a lot of hubs in our country and there's spin-offs and you know things change at companies and recruiters get upset with the change whether a company's been sold or some of the principals have gone off and formed their own you know business that happens a lot so you've got recruiters that tend to, you know, job jump. <clears throat> and unfortunately, you know, again, like I said just a few minutes ago, 
there's a lot of money to be made as a recruiter if you're good. So if you've done this and you're successful and you're unhappy with your current company, you know, you're not going to change what you're doing. You're going to go and do it someplace else, right? That's what you know. So the challenge for recruiter training for somebody like that that comes in from the industry um, is to learn how we do it, right? And I would also apply this to, and I've had a lot of travelers themselves that have become recruiters, not a lot, but a decent amount for sure. And again, they have their own expectation of what things are like, so I'd kind of lump them in the same category that I understand recruiting because I've been recruited, right, for years and years and years. So I should know how to do it. And the challenge for a company is to teach seasoned recruiters or people that are in that boat how we do it here. And I think that has just as many challenges from recruiter training as anything else. In other words, you're having to unlearn potentially some bad habits or some, you know, preconceived notions that maybe your other company held and learn the new way. It's sometimes amazing. I've experienced it myself where people would come to work for me and they're like, wow, I had no idea. I didn't know that. Um, I always took that as a compliment because that means that they weren't being told the things that they should be told. But again, it's also really interesting to hear how other companies recruit and to actually witness that firsthand is eye-opening. Um, and again, part of my learning curve and development as a CEO as to how things kind of work in our company, our agency, or our, wow, I can't even talk right, our industry. Seeing how other companies do it, you'd be surprised how few companies really know how other folks do it. I'm fortunate enough that I've been in the industry long enough, I've got enough contacts and friends out there um, that are on this side of the desk, or perhaps even you know travelers that have been able to enlighten me as to, well, this is what I experienced with this company or that company. And again, you guys know I talk to travelers almost every day, and I'm always getting pay packages, and you know issues that people uh, lately, especially with doing travel insiders, a lot of people reach out and ask me for you know just can you just look at this contract? Can you give me some quick advice on how to handle this? And I'm happy to do that all day long, while I can, um, and I hope that I'll be able to continue to do that forever. Um, so it's really eye-opening to me to see what other companies do. It makes me go, wow, we got a lot of work to do. Like I always said on travel insiders, um, there could be some new vendors to a to a, a, a veteran traveler just, or a veteran recruiter, just because they've worked you know for many years. They may have a new experience with a new vendor that they've never worked with previously before. Especially if they came from a big co- a small company or going to a big company now. So there's always those little wrinkles. Certainly, again, I don't want to beat this up, but certainly the commission structure at every agency is going to be different. So they're going to want to know and learn how they're going to get paid. And Guys, I don't mean to sound, I don't know, I don't, can't explain what I feel like I'm sounding like, but I sound like I'm just the negative guy talking about how these people make money off of convincing you to work for them. But I really want you guys to hear that. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but think about it. So when you're having discussions with either a new potential company or your current recruiter, I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind that one of you needs the other one in order to make money. You have choices on different companies. Sure, they've got choices with different travelers, but trust me, they want you. They want you and they want you to stay and they want to make you happy. Even if they're dealing with a tough commission structure that doesn't you know, allow for them to make money or they're certainly dealing with a tough pay package, which is more common, that doesn't allow you to make money. That's always the toughest one, obviously, to go out there with as a, as a recruiter is selling a commission, or, I'm sorry, a pay package that is difficult. I, I My hats are off to all you recruiters out there that work for companies that pay travelers like garbage. Uh, I don't know how you do it. You are good at your craft. You are good at convincing travelers to take assignments through your company paying less than more, more you know, the majority of companies. And that, that's a skill, ladies and gentlemen. 
Um, I, it's a skill that I envy because that means you're a really good salesperson. That doesn't salesperson does not need to be a negative connotation. It is in our in our country because what it kind of means is that you're good at convincing people to do things that may or may not be in their best interest in order for you to make commission and money off of it. In other words, you're, you're good at convincing people, right? That's what the true thought of salesperson seems to be. And I think in our world, there is that aspect, but there is also, again, the aspect of teaching people how to, how to put out those fires. I guess I, it's a good time for me to kind of talk about, guys, I'm not trying to beat the snot out of every recruiter out there. I personally think that there are some really good men and women that do this role in our in our industry. And I, I want to acknowledge that and take maybe a break off of my soapbox here to explain that I really do believe that. I've worked with them. I've trained them. I've, I think I've been one at one point. I never really recruited, as I've mentioned before, but I've been involved in recruiting aspects at different levels that I would say that I have, quote unquote, recruited, even though I've never been a recruiter, if that makes sense. And I do have a lot of respect for people that do it well. And I do think you guys know very candidly, and you've told me, when you have somebody that does their job really well. My only point in this episode is really to talk about how to teach someone, hopefully to do it well, and how hard that actually is to teach someone how to do this job particularly well. And that's what this episode is really about. I just wanted you guys to have a clue as to what happens when somebody off the street comes brand new and becomes a recruiter, and how somebody potentially from another company comes in into your world and becomes a recruiter for you. And that's really, I felt, would be important for you guys to just have an episode that was dedicated to learning how it is that people are taught to recruit, I guess, for lack of a better word. The question I have for the job jumpers is, is in fact, the same thing I have with the new recruiters. How long are they going to be at that company? Clearly, I will tell you that they will be a recruiter for a while. And many of you have told me that you have followed recruiters from one company to the other because you're that impressed with them. And the only thing that you've had to say is, when they got to this company, maybe they they didn't have as much power or clout and couldn't do the things that they used to do with previous companies. Maybe they have more. But that is always the, the challenge is, is my recruiter going to be as effective and, and good with me at a new company? And it wouldn't be his or her fault. It would be the company's philosophy and the company's rules that may have some kind of hindrance or may open that up more for you. You just don't really know. But that's always the question. Are they going to be at this company for a while? Am I going to be following them to yet another company? I think that gets tiresome for a lot of you travelers after a while, and you start to say, you know what, I just need to stick with the company and get me a different recruiter. So the last thing I want to kind of just bring up is that there are there are companies and groups and, and organizations out there that have figured out you know, there's a lot of money in travel. And maybe I used to be a recruiter, maybe I used to run a company, maybe I used to be a nurse or an alley professional, and I'm going to do one of a couple of things. And one of them I want to talk about briefly is the outside recruiter training programs that are popping up all over the place and have been here for a little while. And that is an outside organization that is hired by that company to teach their recruiters how to sell. Now, my first issue with this is you're going to hire somebody outside your organization to teach your team how to be a recruiter. And they've taught 20 other companies the exact same thing, which means you are now going to be exactly like every other company. Where's the, where's the nuance? Where's the, where's the internal? I think a lot of companies do that when they don't have a really good training program or they're failing or they don't have time or they're so big that they feel that's a better way to go. I think it's a horrible way to go personally. I can't imagine ever turning my reins of the most important face-to-face, the, the voice and the, the, um, the representation of my company over to a third party hoping that what they teach my recruiters is going to emulate with what I want people to be taught about my company. To me, it's, it's, it's insane. But I do know there are companies that 
hire these folks. And I know there's a couple of companies that make a good living at teaching other recruiters how to recruit. Um, again, it's one of those things where people have figured out a way of making an income out of theoretically the pie. Now, this really isn't. This would be where you know they're making money off of the company's bottom line, but a company has to say, we're gonna take some kind of profit, whether it's the cost of goods sold, or it's gonna be our operating, our, 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 you know, our net expenses, and we're gonna increase those to hire a, a company to teach recruiters how to sell, basically. And so it is another one of those things that I believe that more and more, I don't care if we're talking about lead sources, web pages, job matching sites where you put all this stuff, recruiter training places, it's everybody trying to get a piece of the income, a piece of the revenue. Like it or not, there are people that are trying to figure out ways to profit outside of the box off of a, you know, off of the, in the travel industry. In this case, we're going to build an agency to teach the recruiters for whatever reason, whether they have don't have enough time, they don't have a good program, they don't know what they're doing, they're brand new or it's just a, a you know, a convenience thing for them. And I think, I think personally, if, if I'm, and again, I have been the CEO of companies, and again, I would never hire one of those companies to teach my recruiting team how to recruit for me and what my company's philosophy is. But they are out there. So understand that your brand new recruiter could have been taught by somebody outside of the organization is what I'm getting at. That it might not even be, they might have even been taught by your, that company. So it just I just want you to know that. There's also online courses. I've seen those popping up too where, You've got a former recruiter or somebody that's you know maybe been a traveler that's gonna that's gonna you know teach recruiters how to recruit. Um, a lot of people nowadays are working from their home, obviously, and have been for years. And if you are a remote recruiter, you can take some of these courses that are the same thing, but they're online. And again, people are figuring out a way to make money online and to be able to have you register for a course, and they walk you through their way of recruiting, and and you come out with a. You know, a certificate that I know how to recruit that you know this way or that way, and and whether or not that makes sense to the company, I don't know. I think both these philosophies personally are a step back behind, uh, you know, another, another two like two degrees of separation. What's what I'm trying to look for that keeps it from people being able to really understand that company's nuance and that company's philosophy. And maybe some people use these to get a you know get them a jump start, and then they teach them how they want to do it. I don't know. I just think it's again what I don't like about it is it's. How do we make money out of the industry and not have the risk and be a travel company? We'll just do this. So there's a lot of different nuances like that. We've got more things coming up in some episodes. But my personal feeling on that stuff is I think it's I think it's nuts to allow somebody to train your people generically like every other recruiter in the country is trained. Because I personally think that you want to have better recruiters than everybody else. But that's just, again, my crazy, wacky world. Here's the facts on this this episode, guys. Is that recruiters are trained differently from every different facility, or every different agency they work for. You have good training, you have poor training, you have no training. Um, you go back to, I guess this is more of a culmination of all the episodes we're talking about. New recruiters, I talked about them a lot as well, but I wanted you guys to kind of, like I say, hear that everything that they're being taught is to again figure out how to get someone who's really good at convincing you. To work with them, I mean that's it's it's not it's not cryptic, it's the facts, and that's what this industry is. It is we all have the same positions for the most part. We all have different pay packages. How do I bring on somebody either off the street or from another company that I think is going to be good at convincing someone to take an assignment with us, and then also is going to be good at making sure that 
through all the bumps and wrinkles and roadblocks that happen during assignment that they stay with us. So that's really what you're looking for. And I think good recruiters, those that are out there, do both of those things well. Again, I mean, most travelers don't go to work for a recruiter they don't like. If you don't like your recruiter, you're not going to stay with that company. You're not going to stay with the recruiter. That's just simple. So you can't hire an asshole. you got to hire somebody who's good, right? Or at least good at pretending. And I, mean, I didn't really address that, but there's a lot of people that, man, they're on the phone. They're like, wow, this is a different person that walks around the office, you know, right? It's, it's amazing the, the recruiter personality and then the real personality. But I think that's that way with any, you know, any business, any organization. So that's what you're looking for. And a recruiter training is trying to help them move through their own learning curve. Again, we talked about travel learning curve, but there's an absolute recruiter learning curve where they have to learn how to do this job better. And there really is no way to, like I always say with any learning curve, slam them through. A training program, if it's a good one, tries to get them through the learning curve as fast as they can, but they're still going to make mistakes. They're still going to learn things the hard way, the painful and necessary way that they have to do it. And they're going to make those mistakes, which hopefully they will learn from and do a better job of the next traveler. The question is, are you the one that they're making the mistakes with? And that's what you know, recruiters all go through. Recruiter training is a big part of our industry. Unfortunately, the bigger the company, what I've seen personally, and this isn't a sweeping statement, this is what I've just seen, the bigger the company, the more of a revolving door they seem to have because the company's gotten to a point where they have a great reputation potentially or a good reputation or they're known. So they've, they've got people that are there to simply you know make, make that money. Last thing I want to say is some statistics I mentioned in a previous episode, and that is that typically you've got your top 25% of your recruiting team handles 50% of your business. In other words, they, have, they generate 50% of your revenue. I don't want you to really hear that. 25% of your entire recruiting team, or only one-fourth, is generating over half or about half of your company's revenue. The middle, you know, I'm sorry to say, the next 25% is, gener- is, is kind of on the bubble. And they're generating, you know, again, maybe the, the, uh, another 25% of that. Middle group, which means they're making it or not making it. And finally, the bottom 25% is, is generating the other 25% because they're just kind of starting to make it. So it is amazing how you've got... If you were to break apart most organizations, you could literally get rid of 25 to close to 50%, I should say, at least 25% of those travelers because they're, they're not going to make it. And that's the churn and burn mentality that's in our business. By the way, that's, no, that's not unique or no different than any other sales organization. That's just the way our world is, is that it has that kind of a turnover. And this is a sales job. So recruiter training, ladies and gentlemen, I hope this was kind of helpful. I hope it was eye-opening. Maybe you heard or learned something that you haven't heard before. As always, I appreciate you guys tuning in and watching, and we will catch you next time on Travel Insiders.